Net-A-Porter presents the Incredible Women podcast, Series 6, Champions of Change. Welcome to the new series of the Incredible Women podcast, in which we sit down with women who are leading the charge, driving change, and really pushing for progress through their work. Some of these incredible women you'll already be familiar with, and others we're excited to introduce you to. I'm Alice Casely Hayford, Content Director at Net-A-Porter, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined for this episode of our Champions of Change podcast by Liv Little, award-winning writer, culture consultant, and creative director. I don't know if it's like a British thing where you can't like, you know, give yourself the flowers, but I, I, I do think I've made a contribution to to like storytelling and the media landscape, and I do feel really proud of that. Through her work, be it in journalism or fiction, Liv Little has prioritised telling the stories of underrepresented communities and through this has been instrumental in shifting the media landscape. While studying politics and sociology at Bristol University, Liv Little founded Galdem, the pioneering media company committed to spotlighting the creative talents of people of colour from marginalised genders. In 2020, Little stepped down as Galdem CEO to focus on other pursuits. A natural polymath, she returned to academia whilst embarking on writing her first novel and working on projects for TV. Her debut book, Rosewater, a remarkable modern multi-generational love story, is out this spring. Let's meet Liv. Hello, Liv. Welcome. (laughs) It is such a pleasure to have you on our Incredible Women podcast today. How's it going? It's been a while. It's been great and I'm really happy to be here. Feeling good. Fresh from Jamaica. Yes, that looked like a wonderful time. Yeah, I'm feeling like pretty zen. (laughs) Good, good. And you're about to put Rosewater out into the world. Can you tell us how you're feeling about your debut book going to be flying around the world soon? I just feel really kind of excited to finally get to talk to other people about something that's existed in my head for so long. You know, I've like lived, breathed, slept with all of these characters and, you know, gone to bed thinking about them for the last two years. So I think to hear how people perceive the story and the book and the things that they take away from it feels really special and really exciting, actually. Well, I'm only page 100, so no spoilers, but I'm loving every (laughs) single moment, obsessed with Elsie. It's just like such a wonderful story. But for those who don't know anything about Mm -hmm. it, can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, for sure. So Rosewater is a queer love story set in South London, which has my heart. I think us South Londoners are are really obsessed with where we're from. Um, But at its core, it's about the different ways, I guess, that we show up to love based on the ways that we've been shown love and how complicated and messy and painful that can be. Um, But it also looks at different kinds of love and different kinds of relationships. So like platonic friendships are really important as are familial ones and intergenerational ones. Um, And yeah, I just, I think I wrote the book that I wanted to read. Mm. Well, it feels like you've drawn on lots of different aspects Mm. of your life, Mm -mm. your friendships. South Mm -mm. London is like the beating heart of it. Mm. What do you want the kind of key takeaways? What do you want people to take away Mm. from your heroine, from Mm -mm. the characters, from the book? I think for me, so I've, I think that love is like a deeply transformational thing. And I think the kind of journey that I've been on in my own relationship has really taught me a lot about, yeah, the coming together of different people and the importance of like compassion in relationships. So I suppose it would be some sort of amusing on that, just kind of 
interrogating and recognizing the different ways that different people show up and having empathy for that. You know, I think often we kind of taught that things are right or wrong or black or white. And actually, like everyone is complicated and, and there's a lot of there needs to be more space for nuance. So I hope that I hope that, yeah, it's, you know, and a, and a warm feeling, you know, totally. and a lovely feeling. I'm a romantic and I, I hope that people that people enjoy the kind of, you know romance element absolutely of it as well as well, yeah. an old married lady it was really exciting <laughs> to <laughs> keep up with her goings on and all of the different characters it yeah. was meeting so I absolutely love that old married lady <laughs> I'm like not quite <laughs> not quite ish um but you are such a, an amazing influential figure in the world of mm. media and writing and publishing that this is quite a big foray into fiction now for you yeah how did your approach how what was your approach like to this um I wanted to write like uh fiction for a long time and like I had had my agent for a long time she's amazing amazing woman called Abigail Bergstrom and like we've been together for a while and we were talking about the kind of book that I'd want to do and I think quite a lot of people had said do you want to write do you want to do the next version of The Good Immigrant or this mm-hmm. or whatever because I think people were kind of wanting to capitalize on a specific format that was yeah. like quite successful but I think the kind of work that I'd been drawn to was fiction mm-hmm. um and it was kind of like slice of life kind of novels Mm -hmm. um and you know the first attempt at writing a book wasn't great (laughs) and it took you know and it took time and then I think the right idea kind of came to me at the right period and it was also a period when I was reassessing what it was that I wanted for myself and my career and how Mm -hmm. I wanted to show up in the world and um I'm like a deeply creative person Mm -hmm. and I had been running a business for so long which isn't necessarily a deeply creative exercise it Mm -hmm. is and it isn't Mm -hmm. um and I think I was literally craving to have some form of like real creative expression I needed it I missed it I wanted it and I think you know I was I was trying to do it alongside for for some time but your brain needs the space to breathe so I think it was really going on a journey of like what does live want how does live feel and how and, and what are the stories that you want to tell and and yet fiction and drama were not worlds that I had like I had existed in before but they were worlds that I knew I really wanted to learn about so I did an MA in black British writing I did um I was like a BBC writer in, in residence so I learned a lot about scripted and mm-hmm. so you know it was a process of learning a new skill and I kind of loved starting at the bottom and totally. not, not being the one that has to have answers. Yeah. I just had loads of questions and a lot to figure out, which was really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you touched on obviously the business that yeah, you founded. Yeah. Um, so it'd be remiss for us not yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. Gaudem and the amazing, yeah. amazing um, global platform that I, that it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, you launched it when you were kind 21. of 21, yeah, which is no, crazy. <laughs> Can you tell us about yeah. Gaudem and how it came to be? Yeah, I think I was like, I, I think I've always been like, probably quite an intense person (laughs) to like get things done and I think I was just you know at uni at the time and not 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 seeing myself reflected or like safe and heard and seen and all those things and I don't know with no journalistic experience was like I want to set up a magazine but I think obviously at that point you're not thinking about in the context of a business but you're thinking about in the context of like just wanting to connect with Mm -hmm. people and it grew and it grew and then I learned the other skills and I you know went through the raising investment and and all of that and building a community and working with amazing people 
Um, and it grew and it grew and it grew. And with that is so amazing. And with that is also like so much pressure. Totally. So I think it, it's been such an, it was such an amazing journey. I learned so much and a lot of those skills that I think are going to carry forward in like my writing work in general. But yeah, it was definitely like totally bonkers and mad, but I'm proud. And like, I think for me, it was always important that, you know, it wasn't just for me or just about me. It was that can, this thing should be able to have like life beyond beyond um beyond me and beyond the team or you know whoever is there at the time I want Galdem to like kind of continue to thrive and now not be a part of it but yeah. kind of I think that that legacy is is a wonderful thing it's incredible that you can recognize the legacy that mm. that amazing platform has yeah. created but also that it was one chapter and now on to yeah. your next and yeah. I think I am blown away by how much Galdem transformed the media landscape Absolutely. and how incredibly influential it We were just it has. kind of fierce, you know. Totally. I feel like we were kind of it, like, you're going to listen to us and that is it. And that was the 21-year-old energy that is like a bit different now. Totally. But was useful and then. To yeah. see, you know, these white men in suits sitting up and listening yeah. to a certain degree is incredible. And I just wanted to ask sort of how did you assert yourselves in those situations where you must have been intimidated by people who would typically not give you the time of day yeah. and they were finally recognizing the power of our voice and yeah. how influential Galdem could and should be? Yeah, you know what? I think my, so so I went to like, I went to private school and I think my mum was like very like specific in her reasoning for wanting to send me to, mm -hmm. to like a private school because she, she didn't go to private school and she didn't grow up in the way that I kind of grew up and she I remember her telling me a story about how like she'd written this poem and her teacher was like you couldn't have written that poem because obviously this like dark-skinned black child couldn't be smart enough to write this poem right and so she was like I have black daughters and I will do everything I can to make sure that they're in rooms with people who think that they uh you know the future whatever's of the country mm -hmm. and that they should have a right to everything so I I was kind of okay-ish with like with um of course you have imposter syndrome and you get anxious but I in a way felt very comfortable to challenge mm -hmm. and to shout and to say that I don't agree mm -hmm. with things and I think that maybe like a bit of that came from having been in that like environment maybe mm -hmm. in secondary school and and how did you deal, I guess, because this was all sort of happening at the second and third resurgences of BLM as well. So everybody kind of wanted to have um, their black writers and be commissioning mm -hmm. this black piece mm -hmm. and this opinion piece mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that and cutting through the noise where it was just tokenistic? Um, and performative and sort of well it all was <laughs> you know I mean um, because everyone was scared mm -hmm. and it's just like and then you know everyone's like oh but you know as a privileged like it was just very like I think through like using a lot of that language like it obscured like like action and actually mm -hmm. seeing what people were doing because I think to say things is very easy to assert yourself as an ally is really easy but like it, I think in practice a lot of the work and things happen not on the public stage um to be honest I in that period I was probably trying to like n like to ensure that an independent business could continue going so I was stressed mental health was stressful my dad was going through diagnosis so there was just like so much stuff that was happening that I kind of feels like a blur um but I guess I'm more interested just to see what the actual you know like long-term legacy and actions look like it, it what what happened in that moment not that it's not important but it's like 
you know, what 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 are the kind of like long term actions that are taking place? Because yeah, I mean, like, I you know, it's all like everyone's trying to sell stuff totally. and like seem good, yeah. and so. Not everyone, but I think in that moment, like a lot of the voices and brands that were trying to assert themselves as being good, mm -hmm. quote, which I don't know if that's like possible, but mm. you know, I think, yeah, just, it was a mess, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> yeah. it was, but yeah. I think through And obscured it, what it was, what was actually, you know, it was about. Totally. But I think through it, we have seen some positive mm. change. And I think, you know, today with this podcast, we're celebrating champions of change. Mm. Do you see yourself as a change maker or does that feel like a ridiculous label that <laughs> yeah. you don't, you can't? I'm like pulling a strange face. <laughs> um, um, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm learning to, to be like, okay, I did some stuff and like, it was good or like it was useful mm -hmm. in, in that time period. I think that's something that I've struggled with yeah. just saying, mm -hmm. yeah, like you, you, you did some things <laughs> you, you know did what I mean like, more than a few things I don't know if it's like a British thing where you can't like you know s s give yourself the flowers but I, I I do think I've made a contribution to to like storytelling and the media landscape mm. and I do feel really proud of that and this next chapter I feel like I want my contribution to be writing things for film and for tv and and with books that make people feel and think things um and allow, enable them to just connect with different kinds mm. of characters and, you know, shine a light on like worlds and people and stories that mean a lot to me in a really creative way. And so I think the way that maybe I, the way that I'm doing that or the way that I'm showing up in the world, it's kind of comes with the same like core and same heart, but it just like, well, is kind of going to manifest in a different way. I think. Totally. Yeah. You, through all of your amazing work and your writing in Galdem mm. and now your new book, um, you do give a lot of yourself away mm. um how do you protect your mental health yeah it's I think I, I had to get really scarily bad like and to to really make a change you know um it's very easy to say you know do all of these kind of you know things to look after yourself but I think for me I've this most recent round of therapy that I've just finished was like was incredibly transformative and the therapist that I had which was even a process to find the right therapist is like dating right like it takes time but I think um I think I now I now am more connected to to me and to to what it is that I feel and I think I wasn't connected to that up until like fairly recently on like a really deep level you know I think I was just kind of going through the motions and I was ignoring that like my inner voice mm -hmm. so I think for me it's about like trying to maintain a deep connection with that. And um, and I know what feels good and I know I know what I need and I know what what I want. And I think mm -hmm. it's not being afraid to assert that because I think for so long I was afraid that if I said no or if I said, I don't agree with that, that like people would be angry or, you know, people would be upset or I'd be letting a whole community of people mm -hmm. down or like whatever that was and those things just leave you in a in a state that is like really crippling and just not good so I think like I said it took getting really scarily low mm. to to realize that why like I, it was just like why and I think my girlfriend who I've been with for like six years now was witnessing all of this and it was just a lot for her as well mm -hmm. and I think and my friends and and all the rest of it but I think I just vow to never let myself get to that stage again where I like I'm so disconnected from my like I from my mm -hmm. truth 
Um, so yeah, you know, not living in the city and doing things in a different way and working in a way which is like healthier, less obsessive, like less all consuming. I still love what I do. And I think about writing all the time. Even when I'm not writing, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write. But it's, I don't know, I, I, it's it's kind of on my own terms. And, you know, we'll figure these things out. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure like we all have difficult moments and periods and we all grieve and we all feel sad. But I think I just need to, just listening to how I'm feeling, I think is honestly <laughs> the thing that I want to take through to. Totally. Yeah. Because it's such an obvious statement, but yeah. so few of us do it. These things take time. And they do take time. You really need to they allow yourself to go time. through all of the different They do take time. They do. And like those kind of experiences make you reevaluate once you're aware of them. Like mm -hmm. anyway, once you allow yourself to feel them, you know, what's important and what's not important. And we only have one life. So in terms, I mean, you speak so passionately about writing. Mm. Who have been the most kind of influential mm. writers on your career and your... Yeah, I think like literary wise, um, Nicole Dennis-Benn is one of my favourite authors. And I think um, I talk about her all the time, <laughs> too much. Um, but uh, I think that was the first time really that I read real representations of queerness mm -hmm. and from a Jamaican woman and from, you know, as a Caribbean woman myself, like I'm half Jamaican, half Guyanese. I was like, whoa. And the characterization, the intergenerational dynamics in Here Comes the Sun, I was like, this is such a magnificent book. And so I think definitely her, you know, we have lots of amazing writers. We have, you know, we come from a generation that has Michaela Cole as yes. well, you know, so transformational dynamic, really like pushing boundaries or just, you know, saying things that, you know, people might be mm -hmm. afraid to say and bearing like the ugliness and the the truth of of, of everything. Gorgeous, delicious, you know, there's just, there are, I, I feel like there are lots of people whose, whose work I'm able to look to now and be inspired by, you know, past, present mm -hmm. and, and future. So yeah, and I, I think I, I, I've always happened to have mostly like women in my life as well um lots of amazing ones whether that's charlie my friend that i did a lot of work with galdem for or you know i'm kind of surrounded and and i'm also enjoying working with my friends in a different capacity now and on writing projects and creative projects and just being really like exploratory and slow with that has been lush so yeah well there have been books that have been incredibly influential on my life and that helped me find myself and understand my identity and what home meant to me and what mm. my blackness meant to me and all of the different things that intersect in my life how they come together and mm -hmm. I'm sure this book is going to be the same for oh, so many young so. people hope so, so that, that so. is an amazing thing and it's also quite sexy and fun it can is I just sexy say? And like fun. it's sexy it's and funny fun. as well it's, yeah you know wonderful. like I think there's there's also it's also that it's like I you know uh, all the projects I'm working with on are so different and I think being able to find like the light and the dark is really Im important. And I think I've, the kind of books that I've gravitated to, and that's probably because I only lost my dad last year. So I couldn't, I haven't been able to deal with like content that is super heavy and super intense, you know, in its totality is that I've wanted to read things that are going to make me laugh and, and feel more joyous emotions totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. and feel hopeful at exactly. the end of reading or watching it. You know, I used to watch, just so many like traumatic documentaries and I'm like not That's, really in that headspace yeah. where I can do Thank that anymore goodness. to be yeah. honest but then on the flip side and not to get too melancholic but I think considering without being too morbid that we're all gonna die and we're all gonna experience yeah. grief for me there's so little about it and so yeah. that was something that I found really challenging when I was losing my dad yeah I, agree. I didn't really know where to turn to and there 
everyone kept giving me this Joan Didion book and it was the same thing. Fine, no, same, <laughs> exactly. same. Yeah. The same three pieces of literature that Fine. I kept still getting. And I think even the way that you've spoken about mm. your experience has been so valuable for me. Mm. And I lost my parent before mm. you. And it's been really, you know, there's just so much to unpick and mm. unpack in grief and there you've is. done that really beautifully and just the small bits that you've shared with the Aww. world so I'm very Thank grateful you. for that I think it's important that we that we talk to each other mm -hmm. about it I think it can feel like an incredibly isolating experience mm -hmm. I think when you lose a parent when you're quite young as exactly. well it's not necessarily something that all of your peers can understand that doesn't mean that people aren't supportive or well-meaning but it's like a different thing and you know after the immediacy of death it can feel like it's forgotten and mm -hmm. it's a very real and very present thing for you that you're going to carry forever. And I think, yeah, we definitely have this culture where it's like death is this thing that you don't talk about and therefore it's really scary. Mm -hmm. And it would be really helpful if we were able to have more of an um, an open dialogue. Goodness, wow. Your 20s have been action-packed. You have Mad. had a lot of life lessons. Uh, listen, my 30s so... better be really reckless because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I did a really serious <laughs> 20s. I lost two parents. I built a business. Yeah. I left a business. I like I fucking had mental health breakdowns and episodes and all of this stuff. I didn't know if I was going to be here. And I'm like, these this next decade, I'm like, I just want It's going to be joy, joy, joy. joy. Yeah. Exactly. You took the words from my mouth. Yeah. What, what would you like to achieve in your 30s? Or in is it 30s. just the party train <laughs> the party train yeah, yeah I'm like just gonna go turn up no um I, I just um, I want to make things I want to write things I want to travel I want to you know I don't know maybe have a kid or something and explore the world through their eyes and and just fall deeper in love with my partner I want to travel with my mom like she'll be entering her 60s soonish and I want to like just have fun with her I want to spend time with my little sister my nan's 88 I want to like take her on a road trip you know like those are the things that I really want to do absolutely yeah. well that sounds we'll see it's a lot we'll see right. <laughs> it's a lot but you've got to do it you've got to do it um you touched on Michaela Cole and mm. some other amazing people that have been influential mm. on your career and your approach is there any standout advice that has been imparted to you over your 20s that's really stood out to you mm. when my stepdad died five years ago I remember him just like when he was getting sick just being like don't make work like the only thing that you Absolutely. focus on and obviously it took me a while to like <laughs> listen to his advice but he worked 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 and that was like his defining kind of characteristic mm -hmm. and I'm like I'll be damned if like the main thing that people have to say about me is that like I made a business like yeah. no I want people to say that I'm kind or I'm compassionate or that we connected on a on a certain level or that we both bonded over our shared love of like food or swimming outdoors or whatever it is like you know like I don't want I don't want to be my job of you know course, What's, of course well there's so much more to you than that yeah yeah you. yeah to all of us exactly I think oh you know she my therapist really helped me work through my fear of like being judged by other people and it's like oh my god you can't live your life thinking that oh this person's going to think that you're like this if you do this or if you say no so, no it's like it, that I think releasing my relinquishing that from myself has been so um, has been so important and sometimes saying what needs to be said you know to the people <laughs> around you and and yeah just let go of that judgment and that you're bad if you do this or you're good if you do this or you you know to be good is to to not say these things no actually it's more complicated than that so I definitely think the relinquishing of um of judgment you know 
again, it's this thing of, I know death is very ever present in my mind at the moment, but it's like, yeah, I don't know how long I'm going to live for. I don't know how long I'm going to be here for. Like my life is not yours. It's mine. It's no one else's. It's mine. It's not even my mum's. It's not my dad. It's mine. You know, your life is yours. So I think just really like actually understanding that is, has been important. Yeah. That's a still a process for me in terms of judgment of oh others. Oh my God, honestly, like every day. Like, we're going, like, exactly. It's, it's, you know, we're constantly working at yeah, it. Exactly. So, yeah. And I think a huge part, well, not a huge part, but a significant part is social media and yeah. how we all interact with mm. that. And I know you've taken time off Twitter and, mm. you know, you've been. But I accidentally deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> mistake, so that's gone. That's that. So I'm like, it's fine. But I mean, now more than ever, that yeah, is a crazy good. space. So, yeah. Do you feel that good to it's get good to it. have that distance from social media? Um, yeah, you know, like, it's just not real. Mm. Um, like, it's just not real. And, like, my friendships and connections with people in real life and connecting, like, on a level and actually speaking and looking at each other, that's that's way more important than social media. I think, obviously, you know, my dream is that I get to the point when I don't need to use it at all and that you know like a mechanical for example where you know she said that wonderful thing about like retraining herself so that she wasn't finding that her thumb was like scrolling for the internet and now she can come online and she can like um she can when she's got a project to promote Mm -hmm. maybe she says hello does a couple Mm -hmm. interviews cute love it that is kind of the dream but I think right now I will be selling all of you my book <laughs> yeah, really exactly. aggressive. No, you know, so, still in, in a general way, yeah. but you know, because it's 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 um it's kind of like become the digital CV. And mm. You need to show people that you're still alive, and like if you're mm-hmm. not online, they think that mm-hmm. you know something's really horribly totally. wrong. Um, but yeah, I think I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, maybe. Fingers crossed, I don't need to use it as much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that is an amazing position of power that Michaela's in. And yeah, be lush. Well, that it, would you know? be lush. Yeah. But <laughs> navigating, towing the line, I think you're doing yeah, that yeah. beautifully. Well, let's so, see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What would your advice be to any young um, aspiring writers out there, young black queer writer? What would mm. your advice mm. be? I think, I think really write what it is that your heart wants to write. Um, not what you think is what other people want to hear or want to see, you know, and start from that place of just integrity and like, and honesty. And I think, like I said, the first version of a book that I tried to write, I was being very formulaic in what I wanted it to be in the queer version of the, and it's like, no, you know, it it's not going to like, it's not going to come together in a way that feels right if you're approaching it in that way. And I just think don't lose hope or belief in your ability when you get, not back because that happens you know I'm just kind of starting from scratch in a way in the telly world and things are slow and like you get a lot of no's and you know you might get a few yeses but just not losing um just not losing the faith that's one thing that I think I still have that I had at like 20 or 18 or whatever was just that I'm really annoying and persistent and I think that's quite (laughs) helpful (laughs) but I guess also being the newbie again must bring with it a renewed excitement and enthusiasm and geekiness I love it yeah literally I'm like this is like this is great you know like getting all the books and like doing the courses and stuff and like speaking to other people that have done it for a while and Mm -hmm. figuring out what your style is and like figuring out which note you want to take from Mm -hmm. someone and which note you don't Mm -hmm. you know I love it's great you know I feel really fortunate that I'm like I can't I'm getting paid to write for a living that's kind of mad do you know what I mean kind of mad no it's (laughs) kind of perfect um well my last question to you Mm. is 
Uh, do you have any champions of change yourself? Who are the mm. young, not necessarily young, the change makers of 2023 that are inspiring oh, you? Oh, interesting. I have to say, this is someone who I love and who I think is so smart and so thoughtful in, you know, the work that she ushers out into the world it has to be my publisher, Charmaine Lovegrove. Mm -hmm. She's just a phenomenal human being, like a force, you know, really. And, you know, she's hardcore and she's kind and she's like all of the things. And I definitely feel very safe in her hands knowing that she's kind of pushing me to be the best writer. But she just obviously has an amazing eye for like talent and for storytelling and knowing, you know, dialogue books as in the books that they publish are just so incredible, you know, all so amazing. So, um, so yeah, she is a change maker in her field, you know, like she's someone that I look up to and who I find deeply inspiring. Yeah. I think, yeah, that it's really nice to shine a spotlight of some of the people behind the scenes who mm, bring a book to life because mm, obviously the author is the beating heart mm, of it mm. but there are but so no, many it's people like a whole who team. make it yeah yeah it's abby who's there doing 20 million rounds talking through everything <laughs> with me and like the angst you know all of it there's mm -hmm. there's so much that goes into it well i really i wanted to finish rosewater before i spoke <laughs> to you because there's so many things that i want to yeah, chat we to don't you about spoil anything, so we'll right? have to do part two <laughs> yeah, yeah, once, yeah. I, once i finished it but it's the most beautifully written book Thank um you. i love all of the characters Thank i urge you. everyone to go i hope and they get it. frustrate you <laughs> yeah i hope well. that you cry with them i hope that you get horny with them like <laughs> do you know what i mean like i hope that you go through all of the emotions that you want to shake them exactly so, yeah exactly well thank you for all that you do thank you for joining thank me you today for all it's that been you do. absolutely a pleasure Thank you, Liv. Thank you. Champions of Change was brought to you by Netaporte and Chalk and Blade. Hosted by Netaporte's content director, Alice Casely Hayford, and fashion director, Kay Barron. The team at Netaporte was Katie Barrington as the senior editor, with casting by Annabelle Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Laura Hyde. Original music by Alexis Adamora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review and tell us who your champions of change are. <laughs>